Good afternoon and welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? Gary, what's going on, buddy? Well, not baseball, that's for damn sure. That, so, that, this is true. <laughs> I mean, should we do a countdown of the lockout or do we just go ahead and jump right into bitching about it? I think that's what we should probably do. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll start putting up like a board in the back like OSHA does accident-free day, and yeah, yeah. we'll just set it up behind us about counting the lockout. Um, but before we really start diving into the Pirates stuff today, let's do a little personal show um, business, shall we? Um, you know, Jim and I were lucky enough uh, to meet with, with Mike and Tiffany over at um, North Shore Tavern right across from PNC Park, and we were able to... Um, talk with them a little bit and get secured uh, doing a live show there. And we think it'd be a great time if everybody came down. It's going to be on January 22nd, uh, 2 o'clock. Before or after, Jim and I are going to be around having fun. So show up and (laughs) have some fun. Talk baseball with us, the history of the Pirates. There's certainly a ton to cover there. And, man, we're we're really looking forward to this and uh, hope it goes well for everybody involved. It's a great place, filled with history, and Jim can can speak to this a little bit. We we had a great time talking to Mike. Man, is he full of knowledge? Yeah, first of all, first of all, P- Pittsburgh born and bred. Um, just getting to talk to him a little bit about he really does know the history of the game, and got to see quite a few cool things with the Pirates before. We came along, Gary. So, yeah. and uh, it, and to anybody out there that's never seen the North Shore Tavern down there, right across from PNC, man, it is. He's really gone all out uh, to pull off a pretty cool vibe down there, and it's yeah. pirates everywhere, and some really cool artwork, memorabilia. It's top to bottom, Pittsburgh, and it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, so if you've got good stories of, of games you've watched and, and things you've seen and memories you have, perfect time to come down and share them with us and, uh, you know, get on the show. I mean, jump jump right next to us and jump on. And uh, we're also going to be live on YouTube at the same time. So if you can't make it, you, can't, you can still participate. But really encourage as many people as possible to come down. It's just a great time, and I think we're going to have a good time that day. Yeah, and for so, anybody that for anybody that thinks this is easy, well, they can come down and they can try to show <laughs> us how easy it is, and we'll see. We'll we'll just see about that. Yeah, we've had more than a few freeze in the headlights a little bit, huh? When yeah. <laughs> we start talking, so um, yeah, I mean, not Douglas though. Douglas was, I mean, besides some audio technical dif- difficulties, man, he came to play last week. I really he did. his content was excellent. So looking forward to having him on again sometime. He was, um, he was really good. Hey, but I'll tell you what, let's dive in and start talking a little bit of baseball, shall we? I think uh, the let's lockout is something that we've talked about a lot. It's going on. Um, any thoughts on where we are right now? I think we're on radio silence because everyone's going to be quiet until after the holidays, which probably yeah. makes you wonder, why, why wait so long to start actually negotiating, right? Nothing... P- puts the fear in people like uh, impending deadlines. Uh, Think about back to college when you have a paper due and you're about three weeks out. Oh man, I got, I got plenty of time to finish that thing. And uh, you know, two weeks, then maybe a week. Next thing you know, you're pulling all nighters before trying to get it done. So I just think that's where they're at. Holidays are coming up. Everyone knows what needs done. They're just not going to blink first at this point. I mean, I think when you're this far out from missing even spring stuff, it's really easy to look at the list of problems and go, we don't agree, and just walk away. You know, it's, it's really easy at this point to have a seven-minute meeting right before an impending lockout and just go, good. I mean, that's that's the level that you that you knew it was coming from both sides. 
seven sure. minutes is all they invested on the last day before it to actually try to come to some kind of an agreement. That's how close it was. Things like this that are coming for as long as they have been, they don't change on a dime. I mean, at this point, this whole thing to me hinges on um, really because the players' list of demands is way bigger than the owners, if you ask me. So that's never going to line up. It's really going to come down to when the players decide what they can knock off their list, and then they'll really start talking. Yeah, like you said, no one's going to blink right now. Everybody knows what the issues are. Um the players have a ton of, uh, I don't know if you want to call them requests, demands, whatever you want to say, and they'll slot those appropriately, um, you know, uh, when they sit down and there'll be things that they definitely want and things that they're willing to throw away. And, yeah. you know, that's just the nature of negotiations, right? It is. Um, sadly, it's not the nature of adult negotiations because most adult negotiations you're actually looking to come to some kind of an agreement. I don't believe that there has been a period of time since we knew this was coming. I'd say back in 2018-ish, when it when you really started to sense that this was going to be the year. I don't think they've had an adult conversation since then. I think it's it's been trying to win points in the media, trying to score points against oh, sure. the other guy. I haven't seen anybody really put forward anything that really made a lot of sense for for both sides and if neither one's going to try to do that you might as well be negotiating middle east peace it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> it's yeah i mean for sports it's about pretty comparable isn't it with between owners and players and that's really yeah. been the history of this game um and how interesting is it i don't know how many people even realize this um there is still I think it's like a $200 million lawsuit right now that the players have against owners right now from, yeah. from the, from the COVID situation and all the stuff that happened with that, that is still pending litigation. So, and so much of that is caused by Manfred just running his mouth because that lawsuit has no legs to stand on whatsoever. If Rod Manfred isn't stupid enough to open his mouth and say that they were always planning on playing a 60-game season, yeah, those words right there are what could lose them that lawsuit. And I'll tell you what, if I'm the owners, that's a fireable offense if they lose that lawsuit, straight up. Yeah, I mean... This wasn't even something we planned on talking about, but you're right. I mean, he's he made some uh, some pretty fatal mistakes there, and um, it's just interesting that they're going to sit down and try to negotiate something with yeah. that thing still hanging over everyone's head, and uh, that's quite a sweetener or well, I don't know, a toxic elixir or whatever you want to call it to what's going on now. This bad blood has been there a long time, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. It's plausible, though, and I never really thought about this until just now. This is the beauty of doing these shows and not rehearsing what we're going to talk about because, yeah, we didn't plan to, to bring that up. But when you really think about it, I just talked about the laundry list that the players have of, of requests and, and the owners don't really have much of one. I would bet dropping that lawsuit's a pretty big request. So – that might be something that actually gets the players something they want. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's a feather in someone's cap, right? So, gotta be, yeah. Um, certainly, you could, you could, while it's separate on paper, it's certainly not. So, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So, hey, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's let's dive in a little bit on really the two sides of this conversation and why I don't think it's appropriate really to pick a side. Uh, I just want the fans to win. (laughs) And uh, we'll move forward from there. All right.
All right, welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. So we left you off basically talking about the lockout a little bit. We presented a little bit of what both sides are dealing with, and um, I'm not going to go into the the tick mark of, of requests that everybody has, but I did want to discuss something with you, Jim, because you know we we love to to see on social media people. Um, giving their opinions on things. And this subject in particular is so polarizing. Isn't it? It is. People are either all in for the players or all in for the owners. And to me, man, I just want the fans to win. And to me, neither of these sides can truly claim victory with, without the fans suffering. So to me, I want like, compromise i think that ultimately brings the game back to where it needs to be i think if if the owners can compromise and say yeah we've kind of been cheating you a little bit and the players can kind of say yeah we kind of get that you know this is a little out of whack and you guys have to do something to control it and they can just kind of come together a little bit it sounds so much easier than it actually is But if they can just come together a little bit, then the fans win. And that's really, to me, what it should be about. Unfortunately, nobody in the game has that. Nobody wants that. You're right, man. It's so, so polarizing. And look, we, you know, we're always on social media. So, I mean, there are a lot of things people um, take sides on. And it gets, you know, pretty... um, festive i don't know if that's the right word you want to use maybe this time of year but uh yeah it gets it, like uh steeler game in the stands festive there you go there there we go and uh man this is polarizing people really do love to just they pick their side and they are all about the players or all about ownership and i just remember like when all i mean because when the lockout first happened you get that social media vomiting of everybody's opinion yeah. right away. And people, people that weren't are really paying attention and act like it literally just smacked them like a sledgehammer in the back of the head. Yeah. And, and I, and I remember tweeting out something to the effect of like, you know, everybody's just, everybody's, everybody's hating the ownership or the other side, everyone's hating, you know, the players. And I'm just like, can't I just hate everyone right now with baseball the way it is? <laughs> I just want to hate everybody. Is that okay? Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. So, yeah, like, I I don't hate either side or love the other side. I just hate what it's doing to the game and the fans. That's what I hate. So, you know. Yeah, you just get tired of, of listening to the bickering and the constant – um, one-upsmanship that always has to take place and the always trying to uh, position themselves in the media to be uh, made out to be hard done by and and all this stuff like the players they're, they're complaining right now about you know what the the young athletes are being paid but they've systematically given that stuff away over the years in order to make sure that things like, Max Scherzer getting paid $43 million a year can happen. That's, I mean, like, that's the exchange. And I'm, I'm sorry, you can say that it, it's great that he makes that. It is. Wonderful. I mean, we live in a capitalist society. I'm happy he's able to make whatever he can make, and good for him. His skill set says he deserves that. They can afford it. Good. But I, I just think, like, from a game standpoint, You've given away so much for these young players. Don't come crying to me now that they're not making money because they're complaining to the union. I mean, I know why they're, why they're upset. They should be. They've gotten screwed. They have for years and years and years. And the players are just as guilty of that as the owners. Yeah, and I I think, look, what it really comes down to is, is everyone thinks that um, – the interesting thing about it is anytime you bring up supporting like a cap or anything, it's seen as favoring the owners. And I don't know that it's necessarily that easy of a correlation in, in my no, mind. Not at all. You know, no. you're talking about um, competitive balance. You're talking about the overall health of the game. You're talking about, okay, great. 
you're putting a cap on things. Well, other leagues have shown that revenues still grow. The players are not hurt overall by it. So um, it's just interesting to me is uh, the, the phrase that always uh, I always or the name I always hear on social media is if you like the owners and you support ownership, you're a bootlicker. Uh, so that one <laughs> always cracks me up um, because it's such a it's such, it's such a funny description anyway. But I mean, that's how those people feel is you're limiting salaries and you're licking the boots of ownership. And I just think, do you like other sports? Do you, yeah. do you have a vested interest in other sports? Do you have favorite teams? Are you glad when those teams win? Well, there's a reason for that. You wouldn't have any of that without what we're talking about. So I, I don't know how people uh, get around that aspect of it and then go right to that in only baseball. How does that work? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. That's it's something that I've never been able to really understand fully. Um, I understand it, some people. It's it's you know the way they feel about you know union versus ownership situations outside of sports that they just can't justify that with the stance they've taken there. So they have to come back and and make sure that they match up basically when it comes to baseball, but. I don't know. Sports is different. You know, sports it, is, a, is a is a different animal. It's a it's an all-encompassing business where everything needs to kind of flow together. You need to work together a little bit to make sure that everything's cool. Yeah. The NFL has had labor strife as well. I mean, this was just a few years ago. The Steelers didn't even vote to ratify the the CBA as a whole. Yep. So, um yeah, I mean, the irony it's not of it like is they're always all happy. <laughs> No, I mean, that's why they're called concessions, right? I mean, right. both sides have to do it. And, you know, the irony of it is, is from a player standpoint, and you would think this would resonate with people, is a lot of the quote-unquote little guys in baseball, they're the ones that are getting really kind of screwed, you know, and now some of that's their own doing, and they've approved that and, 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 gotten themselves into that some of it happened before they came along but i mean you would think that that would resonate with people some is well if you don't change things it it's max kranich uh, i'm sorry max scherzer boy max was that a, was that a freudian slip um those two guys will never ever ever be mentioned in the same breath except just when i did it but the, it's the max scherzers of the world that have the uh uh big corner office and almost management at this point, they're the ones getting the money. It's not any of the little guys. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's getting, so you would think that would resonate with people, <clears throat> excuse me, but it doesn't seem to. So I don't know. What's the mentality of a pro athlete. Like there's no pro athlete that thinks they don't have it in them to be Tom Brady or thinks they have it in them to be Max Scherzer or, or Kranich, either one. Yeah, but they they think they're a tweak away from being Miguel Cabrera. They don't, you know, they're not they're not thinking like that. They'll never reach that plateau and be in that situation. And when they yeah. get there, they want to be able to get whatever they can get. I guess when it comes to a salary cap, though, I think what the other leagues have shown us is you. That doesn't mean you're not going to get what you want. <laughs> I mean, you're still going to get a good, oh, a great yeah. amount of money. It's just. You know, like a starting pitcher is always going to be just as valuable as a, as a starting quarterback. Think about that. Like, it didn't hurt Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, it may hurt the team they can actually construct around him, but it, it certainly didn't hurt him. He got paid, right? Right. And they're probably having a little bit of buyer's remorse with all the interceptions this year. But, hey, let's, you know. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. there. Um, point is, he got paid. And, and the point is, he would still get paid in baseball. Baseball's going to always yeah, and, pay. And guess what? The guys underneath him and those types, they're still getting paid too. It pushed it, it, it pushed their market too. So, I mean, yeah. look, um, I just think people have to get away from, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to try to treat this as simply 
a normal business in some corporation, I don't think we're ever going to speak the same language um, when people yeah. do that. Because it's so, just not the same thing. This isn't yeah, the Kellogg's plant. This is something completely different. Right. And and so um, if that's going to be your mindset from the beginning, and hey, look, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I think you're going to have trouble um, relating people re relating to people that see it in a far different light and that I mean, how, how far, Gary, how far down the road do you want to take it? Okay, so look, does that, does that mean we shouldn't have drafts for these leagues? Hey, you're, I mean, they're you're already you're starting limiting. to propose things like that, though. Yeah, you're they're... limiting where players can go. This team could pay more to, to this guy, so why are we even drafting? The reason being Draft, is Draft, because... honestly, you just saw compared to the slave trade by Colin Kaepernick the other day. Yeah, I mean, like, so, uh, and I, honestly, and I'm not even getting into the politics of that. I'm just saying, like, that's not a, that's not an uncommon perception that the trade that 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 it's like a slave trade being drafted someplace. And I I guess I get that, but I it's again, in it's some a sports league. This isn't like you're being. It's not like you're graduating college and IBM's calling you up saying you have to come work here and here's what you get paid. You know, it, it's not some, the same thing. In some perfect world where no other factors exist and you don't have competitive balance things that come into play and things of that nature um, that can hurt or help the overall, um, you know, profit, profitability or uh, enjoyment of the game, absolutely. Go out and crush everybody if you're, if you're IBM, if you're... Uh, Microsoft, if whatever, I mean, hey, that's 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 what happens a lot in capitalism. So I just look at it like, boy, I think we really need to get out of the mindset of this is just some run of the mill. This ain't McDonald's, you know? Yeah, I think they need to start looking at it more as we, the owners and the players, are MLB. It's not MLB That's fair. versus the players' union. It should be we are MLB, and our competition is the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL, and NASCAR, and soccer. That's starting to gain and nip on their heels, and they need to start realizing that they have a product that they need to come together and sell. And if that product is not good, in other words, if a Tuesday night. The, the best game on TV is the Pirates and the Brewers. You've done something well. Yeah. You shouldn't have to wait for the times when the Yankees and Red Sox play or the, the Dodgers and Giants are playing. It should be really any matchup is pretty good. And sure, there's going to be bad teams sometimes, but that's what we ultimately need to be trying to get to. And you can talk about how it gets paid and who gets what and how it gets distributed, but at the core, that should be the goal. Getting to the point where you have competitive games, any market in the entire country has a shot at winning the whole thing. And the other side of it, the part we don't like to talk about a whole lot, is they have mechanisms built into the current CBA for spending revenue sharing, and they're not enforcing them. Yeah. And all they're doing well, is let's, asking let's... these teams to define where they're spending their money. Let's they talk didn't about define that. for them where they should be spending it. Let's talk about that then, because that's that's really the crux of it, right? I mean, yeah. even if you don't ever institute a quote-unquote cap, it's what are these teams doing with the money that's being shared? You didn't put any parameters in place. Yeah. And guys that are like Bob Nutting are going to say, okay, great, thanks, we're working really hard at all levels of, of operations. And well, here's what can the you problem. say? Here's the problem, though, because, you know, we've already discussed the players are really hung up on that word, salary cap, uh -huh. and salary cap system. And anything that smells like a salary cap, even what the players or the owners initially put forward, that $180 million cap and that $100 million floor, um, which I, I ultimately don't think would really fix the game. I think it might improve some things. But here's the thing. 
with the revenue sharing where I just discussed like that they haven't outlined exactly where that money has to go. They can't. You want to know why? If they said that you have to use that revenue sharing for payroll, like let's say they said 80% of it has to go to payroll. Guess what you've just instituted? A salary floor. Yeah. Right? Right. So in theory, the players would say no to that. In theory, because it's a salary floor. Now, if they keep that word out of there and they just say, oh, it's 80% of revenue sharing and and they can prove what that number is every year and that's the number that teams have to dedicate to payroll minimally, it'll accomplish the same thing and maybe they'll get around the we don't want to vote for anything that smells like a salary cap thing. But, I mean, let's be honest. We're just being silly here. That's what it is. It's semantics. I mean, you know, call it a threshold, call whatever you want to, whatever word you want to come up with. Um, I guess my question would be is, you know, if they do that and look, who knows what's going to happen. And this is something that we're just speculating on. But, you know, if they do that, how much appreciate, how much appreciably better does that make it for teams like the Pirates? Maybe a little. I don't know that I get. I'm getting super pumped about it. Um, do I like? Would I like the fact that it would force teams to spend some money? Yeah, um, but I don't know that if it's that way across the board. And now you're forcing other teams to do it. Does that really? All you're help doing the is creating a new zero. Yeah, yeah. Does that really help the Pirates? I don't know. No, maybe, no, it, maybe it, it does if you spend super wisely and. I mean, let me try as best I can to just explain why a salary cap works in the other sports. Because you have a ceiling, and everybody has that ceiling. Nobody can exceed that ceiling. There's special circumstances where somebody can go on long-term disability, and you can technically bring in more and pay more. There's things like that that happen. But for the most part, it's a pretty firm cap. Like, the NBA has something where you can pay one guy way more. He's like a franchise guy or something. Fine. You can do things like that. The floor is no more than 25 to $30 million less. That's what creates competitive balance because they're all within that range. Yeah. And they're all <clears throat> able to reach that cap, and they're all very capable of not going below that floor. The younger players have to be paid more in order to make that work. So you have to do some things to change the way the game's played and paid. But that's what makes it work. It's it's that the spread is so small. You want to have a spread of 80 million? All you're going to do is get players like uh, Kevin Newman paid 8 million a year. That's really what's going to happen. You're not going to get um, somebody like Max Scherzer paid less. He'll still get his money. It's it's just not going to change things that much as far as the game goes. And Max Scherzer's still not going to come to Pittsburgh because they're not going to come close to hitting that that cap. That, only that's if really he's, the point. He'll, he'll only come to Pittsburgh if he's pitching. <laughs> and none of that's possible without the aggressive revenue sharing that goes around in the background. The NFL has an easy job of it because the NFL has 17 games per team and all the playoff, and it's all national TV. And they split it, and it's done, and boom, and nobody has a local TV contract that's way bigger than someone else. And they split all the merchandising. They split everything because they see themselves as one giant entity, the NFL. The players, the owners, everybody involved is the NFL. All rowing in the same direction. Yeah. Players get more money every year. It's the owners get more money every year. It's just and, it's a system that works. Yeah, and, and and you touched on something that's really, really important for people to understand. And that's the NFL's the perfect example of it is is when there is the salary cap set in the NFL, 
the the margin that they have to operate in is very very small compared to uh, other sports and other things especially baseball where there is none even theoretically if there was one that they've just proposed um, and whatever they want to call it it's just like you said and i don't know the numbers and i wish i had them but uh yeah there's only a certain gap that nfl teams can fall in and like yeah like yeah. right now i think the steelers have 10 11 12 million dollars in unused yeah unused money for the salary cap but they can't just decide not to spend another 50 million dollars no. you know they Matter have fact, to they reach get to roll that over next year yeah so they yeah. have to reach a certain amount and so like so what that turns into in baseball is is okay great they do this you know half attempt at the 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 salary um uh not cap but threshold at 180 and then a uh floor of 100 and so now you're you like you said you're talking about an 80 million dollar gap yeah, well what's that really better. yeah i mean what's that really gonna do you've got to bring those things together it makes it marginally better and that's, yeah that's really the gist of it and you know people want to worry about tanking um because they, they feel like teams are tanking for top draft picks and i don't deny that that takes place i I mean, I, I don't know that it's tanking as much as um, cause and effect for trading a bunch of players for prospects. You're going to stink for a while. So it kind of just happens naturally. But regardless, you know, one of the things they'd like to see is is the draft system change to a lottery. You know, they want some kind of a structure there. Not unlike uh, the NHL has, um, prevents teams from doing exactly what the Penguins did to get Mario. And... Um, I, I can understand that to a degree, but I also think, man, that's just one more thing that makes an already very difficult job that much harder for a team that just can't pay as much. So to me, yeah, they and... have some real challenges, and a lot of it is about really just thinking through these processes. And I don't understand how they can't just look across the aisle and see another team, another another league just doing it right and killing it. It could be yeah. done so easily. I, I've always thought it would be interesting and neither side would probably dare do this. But I would love to see some kind of um, farm or research group or something be able to come in and sit down as almost like in, in a mediation type situation and come up with what needs to be done and i would just love to see that from both sides and see what they would come up with and just like i said i don't think either side would dare do it because they're afraid well, what what would come of it but it would just yeah, be fascinating both, to me they'd both lose and the fans would win yeah and it would just be as we started would, with and they wouldn't be in control exactly. whether it's per perceived or not um, so they're never going to do that. But I always thought it would be fascinating because I really do think if you just got someone in there was impartial and could figure it out and that's their job, they could do it. And man, it would be great, but it'll, that'll never happen either. So, so you know, I, that's a lockout for right now. Once we start having some news, I think Jim and I will have some opinions on the different things that are coming out because really even everything we mentioned Technically, it's all off the table right this second. So yeah. um, we really kind of need to start seeing things come out a little bit as far as the ideas being pushed forward. As of right now, I don't even think the designated hitter is a sure thing. So I think we have a long way to go in this process and buckle up because it's going to yeah. be a ride. It is. So the, other, the only other thing in the news, really, Jim, um, before we get into our last segment where we're actually going to talk baseball again, is uh, Bob Nutting sold seven springs he sold he sold big news he sold seven springs to the veil vale group um which you know probably doesn't really mean too much of anything <laughs> um he just he made a decent profit on it uh this is a company that comes in and runs things all the time they can conglomerate everything together as far as services and paperwork go and they just do a better job of running things like this and 
it's a good investment for other people and he probably made a hefty profit so good for him i guess yeah unfortunately I, not the sale people wanted to hear about right no and you know full disclosure i've never been so i you know i don't have any uh <laughs> attachment or really knowledge of um that whole thing with seven springs and whatnot um so for me it's easy to crack a joke about it um first of all i've always said this about the pirates uh, or nutting or anything related is that you've got to be able to laugh about some things and i think people did have a, a pretty good time with it because nutting and the word sell has been a uh, dream of of many many <laughs> yes. uh pittsburgh fan and, I, and there's a you know I, the the saddest thing really is that a whole lot of pirate fans out there are going to have to probably hire some new joke writers because I don't know what they're going to say he's spending the money on now. I guess he held on to the golf courses so they can say tee boxes and holes, but yeah. Um, or they'll say well, uh, the only holes Bob Nutting addresses is uh, over at his golf course, right? <laughs> they're not going to talk about first base. <laughs> They'll just go back to the smog uh, gifts of him sitting on the change and the and the coins. So things like um, that. Yeah. There's always something to go to. I think, I think it is. It does say something though that like, you know, clearly it was a joke, and um, he obviously he wasn't selling the pirates. But um, look at the difference between when the Penguins news came up and the sale of that, and people were worried and legitimately concerned and um, there was angst with it yeah. and you know and um, whether 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 you agree with that it was a good move or not but that tells you the connection people have with that team and for the city and whatnot yeah and he's a beloved and, figure too I mean, right like, beloved no, in, in the room to see mario not be part of the penguins anymore and and you know fortunately yeah. that's not going to be the case but yeah, much different tone when, when you hear Bob Nutting selling something. And sure. I will say this though, and I'm not I'm not gonna get crazy here and just and pretend that something is coming on the horizon or anything, but um, and no, I don't think the CBA would affect Bob Nutting's willingness to sell the team or not. Um, one way or another, they're not there is no scenario where they will come out of this where owners become uh, poor. Yeah. No. So let's not worry about that. Um, but I do think one of his statements in the past is, you know, basically we don't sell things, we acquire things and hold on to them. Well, little crack in the armor there, huh? He just sold something. So maybe maybe the right price could get it done, huh? I mean, he's already stands to make a hefty profit based on what he paid for the Pirates versus what it's worth right now. This is true. Yeah, one point three billion is nothing to sneeze at. It's hard no. to turn something like that down if somebody comes along and offers it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and um, it you know, hey, and and what someone says one year, uh, five years later, maybe doesn't apply. Um, so we'll just see how it plays out. And I really doubt any of these valuations of these franchises are going down. Um, history has shown that it's as good of a it's a good real estate. Yeah, I mean it's it's better than real estate. So um, you you just never know. But yeah, you're right. I mean things can change. Great. I have no desire to sell my car. Come offer me twenty grand, you can have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, Jim. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's actually talk some baseball because when they do come out of this lockout, Bucks got some things they got to get to work on. Jim, we're back. Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And, man, it feels good to talk some baseball. It's hard. It's hard right now to talk some baseball because you don't you don't know when it's coming back. So it's very difficult to, to get into it. But 
through the prism of knowing that this is happening, I also know that time is going to be short, sweet, and precious when they come back. And this team cannot afford to sit around and wait. They've got some things they've got to do. Um, we're going to talk about the starting rotation today because I think it's really interesting. Uh, first, Ben Charrington said he wants to bring in another starter, which I found curious. Um, I think it's already pretty congested, actually. And somehow they're going to have to strike a balance between playing some of the young guys and letting them get experience and bringing in some veterans to potentially make this team a little better. Um, I think they started doing that with Quintana, and I think uh, they're hoping that Thompson does that, right? Yep. But let's say the starting rotation is Quintana, Thompson, Wilson, uh, just for just for giggles, let's say, Keller and Brubaker. Then you've got youngsters coming up, like Rowanzi and Yahure and Kranich and Cody Bolton and Peters and Crow. And how do you get innings for all these guys? I mean, like, sure, some of them can start in AAA and some of them could probably stay there for a while. And eventually you're going to, you're going to realize that Quintana is not good enough and move on from him or trade him at the deadline or whatever. They'll make room over time. But how do you make that call? I'm a little curious about that because you bring in another pitcher and add that to the mix, which I, I truly think they should. Who goes? Who sits? How do you work this? How do you actually get innings for all these guys, Jim? Yeah, I mean, the beauty of it is, or or the like you said, it, it, it's something the Pirates, whether, it, whether the CBA gets fixed tomorrow or happens in you know on time for spring training or whatever these are the issues and the scenarios that the pirates have to work through right so right. we can talk about it today just the same as um minus maybe one piece like you said it may be a starter hopefully that's what they're talking about like sharrington said that we're still going to have the same conversation so it's great to be able to jump into it now um but yeah there's 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 so many um guys and options and it's 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 funny um just looking through things you know my starting five right now is wilson quintana thompson keller and brubaker in no particular yeah. order by the we're way we're in lockstep on that which yeah we didn't we didn't pre-plan no no as a matter of fact i was sitting here reading uh listening to you say your five and i'm like damn it gary here, here we go again, thinking similarly, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but then then there are other guys. So, and I think you can count on things um, sorting themselves out naturally. Whether it's performance, hey, health is going to play a big part in this. Sure. Um, you've got guys that can easily start in the minors. Some that should start in the minors, like Contreras. Max I think Kranich. you can. Kranich is another one. Um, You've got some guys like Dylan Peters that maybe you can see in a few roles, right? Maybe, I mean, maybe he's a starter. Maybe he, he's a spot starter and maybe he's long relief. So, you know, it's it, there's a lot of moving pieces to this. I will say, to me, um, it looks a little better than what we were going to be dealing with last year. And let's be honest. Let's see what comes along here. And let's see who they are able to sign when that time comes and if they are able to sign anybody, because that will change the yeah. dynamic quite a bit. Because at a starting point, yeah, I'm, I'm actually feeling better than I did last year as far as where they are. Yeah, a little I, bit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, last year they bring in Trevor Cahill. I, and I, listen, I'm not as up on Quintana as a lot of people are. I, I mean, some people really want to just pretend the last two years didn't happen or or give him the benefit of doubt that injury caused it all and the COVID year and, and things like that. To me, Quintana has a proven track record of underwhelming since he was very young. When he was very young, he was very good. I mean, since going to the Cubs, I'm sorry, he stunk. I was, as a Pirates fan, he was the one pitcher that I was like, I saw like on the lineup card and I was like, all right, we got a shot <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not 
super high on Quintana. I give him about as good a chance to do okay as I did Trevor Cahill last year. Yeah. Um, so I think if that's he does fair. well, great. I don't think he's Tyler Anderson level. I, I just don't. To be fair, I didn't think Tyler Anderson was Tyler Anderson level last year when they signed Sure. So I'm saying let's say Thompson is our Tyler Anderson right now. I think uh-huh. he's got a good shot of coming in here and at least doing similar to what he did last year and holding down a spot. I think Wilson's got a great chance to take a jump this year. Atlanta never gave him the time consistently at the major league level to really, really settle in, take charge. The Pirates gave him that last year. They basically threw him in and said, hey, for the rest of the way here until your arm falls off, you're the ace, fool. Yeah. And they threw him out there, and, and he ate it up. You could just tell he ate it up. You could see it on his face that he loved it. Mitch Keller, prove it year, period. Now, how long do they give him to prove it? And what do they do with him when he doesn't? You know, that's the biggest question mark in there because to me, Brubaker, I think he'll come back looking every bit like he did early in the season last year, if not a little better. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I do think you're going to see him in that starting rotation. I do think he will look pretty decent um, coming out of spring. And uh, I still think they want him to be a starter. So I don't think they want to have to go that route with him. So that opportunity is going to be there. Yeah. So, and maybe it's good that like, as we're talking, Mitch Keller's name starts getting brought up a little less um, just from a person, the, the standpoint of maybe that's what he needs too. I mean, just, he can go, he, you know, he's always going to get a little attention, but maybe just not as much as before. In other and words, we don't kinda... need him to be a star or a rotation savior. Yeah, I mean, and now I think that we have to all adjust our expectations on that anyway. Let me say so... this, though. If he is, let's say, let's say something clicks with that kid this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate the what-if game. Like, but... But let's say that well, we're, some... we're pirate fans, Gary. We have we have to do what ifs, <laughs> right? But uh, you know, as uh, as as Craig and I talk a lot about baseball, we both tend to to kind of look more towards the the floor of a guy's development as opposed to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess I tend to undervalue a lot of the the players, thinking like the lowest common denominator is what I expect, and anything else is gravy. So. Let's just say Mitch Keller figures something out this this offseason. Let's say like he, he really that what he was showing there in that last month clicked. And he, uh-huh. he comes back next year, there's no hiccups, he's ready to go. And he actually turns into a piece. This whole thing is further ahead than they thought. Right then and there on that one player. Brubaker, I think you hope he does well and continues to do well, but nothing's hinging on him. Right? Bryce Wilson you have for like four more years. You want to make sure Bryce Wilson does well. Thompson you want to make sure does well. But Quintana and and Keller are X factors to me. Quintana either dictates whether you get a good piece back for him at the trade deadline or Mitch Keller dictates whether you have a surprise piece or if now you absolutely have to have Brennan Malone and Quinn Priester both work out and Burroughs. <laughs> I think it just changes the math drastically if Mitch Keller works out. Yeah, I do think you can. I think we're along the same lines there is where you do think of um, Keller and Quintana for different reasons um, being X factors. Um, yeah. And it, it throws a lot of things out of whack uh, in season and long term if uh, they both bomb or aren't what we think they could be or uh, things don't get back on track. So, um, well, well, let's talk. Let's just mention guys like Yehure and Oviedo at this point, because I think those are two guys that we're going to hear their names called quite a bit and, and talked about. Um, where are you at with those two? 
Oviedo, I don't expect to hear his name all year. Okay. I be it, mostly because uh, I think a case could be made that he's really not even ready for AAA. Uh, I I felt like his development was so far behind that I'd almost feel inclined to keep him in AA. The fact that they kept him protected on the forty man tells me they don't agree with me. But um, to me, if he was as far along as starting in AAA next year. Well, why the hell didn't you use him more last year in the bullpen? Because yeah, mixed I, signals there, right? Yeah, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I felt like you don't go from hiding a guy, feeling like he can't even get you three throwaway outs in a blowout game, to now he's going to be starting in AAA and be a factor. He's not going to be a factor this year. Think of the guys he'd have to jump over. Like everybody we just named, he'd have to jump over. Plus whoever they sign, if they sign somebody, <laughs> you have to jump over all those guys to get a shot at starting in the majors this year. I don't see it. Uh, I think he's got a full year in AAA minimum under his belt before we start considering him again. Um, Yahure, most developed off-speed stuff in the system, if you ask me. Um, I I think it really comes down to fastball control with him and. I'd probably lean almost that he's profiling more as a bullpen guy to me. I was curious to get your, your take on him. Cause I have cooled on him. Uh, I like him. I think bit. he'll get a shot. I think ultimately he's going to land in the bullpen, but yeah. And you know, um, and I don't know that it's necessarily even been um, performance wise that makes me cool on him. I just, you know, you're talking about a guy that's his fastball is maybe, maybe going to be in the 92 point whatever range. Yeah, 92, he, 94. It, it, yeah, and sometimes it's 91. I mean, that's fine. Um, hey, we've seen a lot of veterans get by with less than that, but they're veterans and they know how to pitch. Um, I just really have a hard time endorsing that he has shown that ability though to know how to to place his off-speed stuff and i think that's what made him so exciting last year is he he really looked like he had a good handle on where they were going the problem was he dropped a couple um a couple miles per hour off his fastball as the year got on and you can say that was injury or even just fatigue from pitching all year but regardless it happened and when he when that happened and he stopped being able to place it, he became an ineffective pitcher. That's really all yeah. there is to it. And let's be blunt, he got passed by Ruanzi. Contreras is now the hot ticket down there. And sure. to be blunt, that's something we haven't really discussed. <laughs> who yeah. goes? Who goes when Contreras is ready? Because I, I could see Contreras looking ready in spring, and. I know we love to talk about manipulating time and everything, but let's be let's be honest here. Even without manipulating time, you're gonna want a young pitcher to show it in Triple A just a little bit, right? I mean, like that's hard jump to go from Double A to to the majors. I'd like yeah, to see him get a few games under his belt. Well, what would be the need to to have him starting right away? Um in the rotation in the majors. I just, I mean, I, as I sit here and I try to think of the benefit of that, it's so minimal. Right out of spring. I don't think there is one. Yeah. But let's say like you get into, you know, let's pretend we have a normal season because I'm going to, I'm going to err on that side until, until proven otherwise. But let's say like you get to like May 15th and Bryce Wilson looks like he's got it. Zach Thompson's everything you traded for. Yeah. Yeah, that ERA wasn't fake. That FIP was real. The dude is actually a good pitcher. Uh-huh. Brubaker looks all right. Um, Keller's got his head on, screwed on straight. He's hitting 95 on the gun. He's placing his fastball. He's getting out sufficiently. And Quintana stinks. Let's just say. I think, is that too early to pull the trigger on bringing up a stud? 
Like if, because if you got those other four pitchers rolling, you can sit here and say like it doesn't matter. But if you've got those other four pitchers rolling, you're going to want to augment it. Now, if four of the five stink, yeah, why bother? Keep the service time, right? Uh-huh. So to me, it's almost like you need you need a few of them to be doing well almost to force the issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if I wanted to, I could make an argument both, way, both ways. Um, I think April and May is so hard to really figure out what you've got sometimes. Sure. Um, with your with your pitching and so i'd want to give it april and may to 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 see how that with the weather changing whatever and see how guys start responding to you know every five days out there and whatnot but then i'm in june right and i don't and then and then so then i'm thinking well why not just wait till after the all-star break at that point Right. You know, um, so Why not that, wait till the trade deadline. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I, I can get, I can get behind that too, where I'm like, well, what would be the rush at that point? And then, you know, you could kind of um, monitor his innings maybe a, a little better. Um, like you said, give him that foundation in Triple A, and just really, really make sure he seems like a guy who's got a pretty good mentality about things and a demeanor. I don't know. You have to worry about that with him. Well, he's not alone either. We talked about him as a young guy that could push his way up. And I think, you know, Will Crow showed some things last year that I think they might be interested in seeing again. I personally feel he's another guy that's suited well for the bullpen. I think he yeah. slots right into what they hoped Cody Ponce would be last year. So, you know, Will Crow, he may find himself in the bullpen. Um, he's another guy. I think, Two three times through, through an order is a little too much for him, but two three innings probably not. He might be a perfect guy to just slot in there and and kind of like be a long man or a swing man out of the bullpen, and yeah. you know an occasional spot starter if you need it. Somebody that I, I just think will say, make it right out of spring, but that's why. I was just I was just gonna say that definitely a guy you could give a spot start to. I I just smirk because he's. He's not the most exciting guy in the, in the world to watch pitch. Yeah. I, I refer to him as um, uh, Prince Valium because he just <laughs> kind of he just kind of puts you to sleep uh, for all you for all you spaceballs fans out there. Um, he's the Prince Valium of starting pitchers. So really yeah, is. but but you need guys like that, and um, you know. He but could he's definitely. Guy too. You know, you put you put him in the pen, and you're not asking him to stretch himself out. Not that he did often, but you put him in the bullpen. He's no longer trying to pretend he's going to last for six, seven innings. He probably gets a couple more miles per hour on his fastball. He, yeah, you know, he probably cuts back on one of those cursory pitches towards the back end of his repertoire that is, that that doesn't work most of the time. And he maybe turns into a Chris Stratton type over time. That's what you hope. Sure. So, you know, Will Crow, he, he's not a flush away guy. They got control over him for a while. This is how bullpen arms happen, by the way. So let's not like, let's not assume you're drafting bullpen arms most of the time. That's not the sure. goal. A lot of the time your starters are going to wind up being who fills those roles. And, and Dylan Peters, you were just talking about as another guy that could potentially fill a role out of that bullpen. So they have a lot of options, I guess. We've always talked about the need for arms, and I guess what I'm saying is I'm starting to feel it a little bit. It's getting a little closer. And this isn't even the exciting batch. Minus Contreras. Yeah, yeah this is the um, this is the precursor to that. Um, so we're still going to be uh, doing a little bit of um, a little bit of smoke and mirrors. This year. It'd be nice if you can make if you can make do with this rotation and and it turns into something. You've got control of almost everybody here, uh-huh. minus Quintana. You've got control of all these guys. If two, three of them, four of them, even like out of that long list we read off, including the minor leaguers, pans out and becomes the bridge to that next gap, 
where you are allowing a, a Quinn Priester to come up and not have to be the savior because he's stepping into a rotation that's already got three, four guys that are doing pretty well. Or Michael Burrows or, you know, Malone or somebody else. Right. If they can come up as they're ready, as opposed to being waited for, like we got signs at the airport holding up their names, like, come on, get over here. This mound is for you. I think you start to see the vision a little bit more and maybe you see a little bit less knee jerk moves to try to acquire people close to the league. You know, I think maybe you start to believe in your system a little bit more. If, if it looks like we're starting to get some production of who's here. Yeah. I think um, obviously if you can get two or three guys to kind of stabilize things wherever they are, um, in the rotation, then you can go out, wait for some of these other guys to develop, yeah. maybe supplement somebody through um, free agency at that point. I think that's the ideal situation. Um, it's the Rose Keller glasses version too. I mean, let's not be crazy uh-huh. here. Sure. It's not, it's, it's probably not going to play out that way, but to me, everything they do from here on out, it's about finding answers, filling holes, and and filling out this roster. If I come out of who pitches this year with two or three pitchers that I feel pretty good about going into next year with, I take that as a win. And that's a lot of yeah. pitchers to mow through to not come out of it with two or three I feel pretty good about. Well, yeah, and I think part of the litmus test too is when we can get to the point where we're in a season and we're not having to look at a guy that's on the mound that shouldn't be in the major leagues, whether right. that's a starter reliever mop up guy, whatever, because let's be honest, we've you seen, some of that, yeah. we've seen too much of that and we're yes. watching guys that don't belong in the major leagues. And, um, is that harsh? Yeah. But it, it, I mean, it was it was painfully obvious, right? It's true. So, truth is truth, brother. Yeah. I mean, so that's uh, why I keep stressing they need to they need to be focusing on getting bullpen arms as opposed to starters because I think there's enough starters that I'm pretty comfortable rolling through them. I want to see what they can do at this point. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, but, not expecting them all to be winners, but I want to see what we got. I don't want to just give Miguel Yahere two, three starts this year, and, oh, yeah, he he stinks. He's not, you know, <laughs> right. I want to see what he can do. Let's give him a stretch. We gave Will Crow an entire season last year. And let's be honest, he didn't earn it. He didn't earn it. He didn't, if we had other options, he would not have been up here all year. No. And that's the bottom line. That's what I'm hoping to see change in 2022, is when somebody is showing you that they don't deserve it, they don't get it. And that's what I think yeah. is going to change. Yeah, you you got guys that have earned it, and they have a right to be there in some capacity is what you're looking for. Yes. So, And I think moving forward, that's not too much to expect and not too much to ask. And unlike last year when we're going like, what are we doing with Kai Tom? What is he doing? We've got outfielders that are on the 40 man down in AAA. One of them can be ready. <laughs> That's sure. not something we can say last year. Well, we can do the same thing with rotation. It's not who's on the waiver wire. It's not who is willing to be traded for cash. It's, hey, let's give uh, Contreras a shot. It's his turn. Hey, Cody Bolton, it, he looks healthy. He looks like the former top 10, you know, prospect. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, yeah or, or Kranich. Kranich yeah, takes Kranich. another step forward, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, these are the incremental baby steps that they are taking and have to take. And I know people want things to be magically better and see these, like, right. night and day differences. Well, people want signings and, and the, you know, that means something. But to me... The proof that the rebuild is starting to take hold is that I'm having conversations like this about yeah. the real backing effect that they have with with the starting rotation options. 
that's when I start to get excited because I'm looking staring down the barrel at 10 or 11 guys I truly wouldn't be upset seeing get a shot. And that's exciting for me. And I think that well, a, is to me a mental turning of the corner. Yeah, I mean they're 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 better options and there's a number of them you're hoping to insulate yourself from at once the inevitable injury or two or poor performance comes up, right? So Absolutely. I think Pirate fans just need to look if they're dreaming of running downstairs and seeing a big red bow on the Lexus outside and the snow <laughs> falling down for Christmas. I, I'm thinking that might be a um, uh, help me out here, Gary, uh, with a car that they could expect out there with a red bow on. Yeah, it's it's definitely elf on the shelf territory. There. It's <laughs> so creepy and wrong and not going to happen. <laughs> So, yeah, so I think we need to get away from that line of thinking. Anyways, Jim, I think that's enough talk for this week about baseball that is and isn't here. So uh, let's go. But ahead it was good. Of... We got to t- we got to chew on some actual baseball there, and and yeah, um... and I, I think we'll do more of that because, like it or don't, a lot of this roster I think is relatively set. So I do think we're going to be able to go through and kind of talk about some of these different position battles. Even the outfield is really interesting if you think about it because. We, we've kind of decided that Travis Swaggerty is the, the top of the mountain there as far as the outfield prospects go, but he might not be. You know, I really think we can talk about um, some of the options there to even potentially make it right out of spring. Yeah, so definitely. So some good stuff we can talk about next week. But for now, that's enough baseball talk for the week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jim, how do people get a hold of you, sir? Yeah, it's um, for the city underscore four one two or at Jim Stam twenty two. Um, you know me, Mister Twitter. Um, all Pittsburgh all the time. Lots of stuff going on right now. Uh, Steelers, Pirates, Pitt, and Penguins. And um, yeah, so hit me up, uh, give me a follow, and I love just I love just chatting with people. And uh, don't forget January twenty second at the North Shore Tavern. Pirates fan forum. We're going to be there live. And um, that's not going to be the last you've heard of that. So, No, we're definitely going to bring it up multiple times, I'm sure. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryMO2007. And uh, follow the show, Pirates fan forum, on Twitter. Um, you can email the show, PiratesFanForum at Yahoo.com. And uh, make sure you smash that subscribe button and like. And... Uh, Follow all of the shows on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. They're all very good. And we like being one big happy family. So (laughs) we're going to support everybody equally. Um, Go Steelers, go Pitt, go all that. We're really excited for uh, Pitt to get their big bowl game, regardless of what Mr. Kenny decides. I support him 100% either way. Kenny can do whatever he wants in the city of Pittsburgh right about now. Absolutely. So without further ado, take it away, Ben. Get your butt!